we won't be tr changing anything to how we train our people because our training program is, you know, hey, buddy, you're coming with me and let's go work together. And yep. once you show me that you know how to do everything I know how to do in respect to what we're doing, I'm going to turn you loose. But right. I'm not going to turn you loose a, a second before I know that you are totally competent to what you're to, to do, you know, the task involved in trucking, not necessarily just qualified because right. anyone can become qualified, but only people who will be good at trucking are competent to go out and do, you know, go out and be a truck driver. That was the voice of bountiful Utah-based Harry Smith in operations and training Ralph Smith Co. Hauling sand and gravel and dumps as well as a variety of other materials, heavy equipment and other oversized loads on RGNs, and more. The organization was founded by his grandfather and taken over by his father and mother decades ago now. Harry, now 33 years old himself, has made great strides in recent years as the kind of old-school, hands-on apprenticeship trainer it was once the holy grail of any young and unschooled prospective owner-operator. I don't know how many times I've heard the story of the young man now fully formed and on his own in business as a truck owner who started just that way, by finding a more seasoned hand to take him or her along for the ride to really learn not just the basics of operating a truck, but all aspects of the trucking business. I'm Todd Dills, and for this edition of Overdrive Radio, we talked with Smith on the occasion of the upcoming implementation date for the long-in-process entry-level driver training regulations of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. I can well recall plenty of conversation around those regs when they were being crafted almost a decade ago via a quote-unquote negotiated rulemaking among a wide array of trucking and training stakeholders. The conversations that were skeptical of those old training ways truly surviving implementation, yet companies like Ralph Smith Co. have prepped for the new reg by putting themselves into the nearly ready-to-go-live training provider registry. As I reiterated in reporting last week, pre-CDL candidates as of February 7th will have to use either a private or for-hire training provider registered there to receive required training before taking the skills test to get their CDL. Harry Smith, as you'll hear in this podcast, is confident his own extensive training efforts will survive the reg's implementation, even with the new reporting and documentation requirements put on any training provider including so-called private, not-for-hire apprenticeship trainers like his company. Yet, he's also skeptical that it's exactly the right way to go, more broadly speaking. My initial thoughts are, why are we making an industry that's struggling to recruit people even less desirable and attractive to get into, is my initial thought. And I'm not a fan of any more regulation on our industry than there already is. And if these new regs do in fact mean any downturn in the availability of bedrock on-the-job apprenticeship type training, of the type Ralph Smithco engages in, then... My gut right. feeling is that this is not what we need. Uh, what we need is truck drivers that are learning how to drive, driving in loaded trucks in less than ideal conditions with a good mentor sitting in that passenger seat next to them. Smith will speak to the importance of mentorship that on-the-job learning provides. 
core of his trucking growth, indeed of his very love of trucking, includes the role his father, Doug Smith, played in his own learning from a very young age. I think every good truck driver probably had their dad, and if not their dad, some type of father figure in their life that got him into it at a young age, and it's like stuck in your blood and you can't get rid of it. That is one of the most important things for me was my dad teaching me how to drive because it's my whole life now and I love it. And uh, a lot of people can think of exactly where they were as a kid sitting in the passenger seat of their dad's truck or whatever. And what they can just you pass somewhere on the road and you can remember that feelings and the excitement of being a kid and being with your dad in a semi-truck. One of the greatest things that trucking has done for me is created those memories right. of my dad and me. And now I have a six-year-old boy and I just like, just, I get, you know, get so excited when the right job comes up where I can, where I can take my little son with me, share those, share those same experiences. So having, having somebody that gets you into it at a young age, whether it's your dad, grandpa, uncle, neighbor, that is, that, that's the greatest thing that this trucking industry has done for me is it's awesome. Given my dad, given my dad and me the perfect thing to bond over truck driving and trucking. So your sister too, of a fashion, you'll also hear throughout the podcast mention of that sister, Kate, who's heavily involved in the business's back office and currently working toward her own CDL, as Harry put it after we talked last week. From all, you get a real sense of that love of trucking Harry noted there, yet it's not always an unqualified positive, as it were. Yeah, our, our biggest problem is that we just, we like trucking too much. So we're, uh, well, I had one customer tell us we were too nice. <laughs> I, well, I can't believe... I can't believe you weren't at my doorstep on Christmas Eve saying, you know, where's my paycheck and, or, you know, where's our, where's our money? And I thought, <laughs> well, we're just too nice. We're, but we, we really enjoy trucking. We love helping our employees grow. And that's probably one of our, one of our, our core principles in our company is caring about people, not just caring about profit. Stay tuned for much more from Harry Smith, but here's a word from First Guard, Overdrive Radio's sponsor. First Guard provides commercial truck insurance to leased owner-operators done right. As we've done for more than 80 years, we provide physical damage and non-trucking. Many companies make you pay up to six months of insurance premiums up front, but not First Guard. We bill monthly, so you get quality insurance without needing to pay a lot of cash up front. Go to firstguard.com. That's 1-S-T-Guard.com. First Guard. We speak trucker. Let's talk. Well, Ralph Smith Company was founded in 1952 by my grandpa, Ralph Bailey Smith. He's been dead for uh, over 40 years. My mom and dad, Doug and Lynette Smith, uh, took the reins when my dad was about 25 years old when Ralph passed away and have built the company into what it is today. Ralph Smith Company currently operates 
primarily sand and gravel hauling uh, in belly dumps, side dumps, end dumps, and dump trucks. Our, our bread and butter is building heavy civil infrastructure like highways, power plants, a lot of mining. We've got the Kennecott copper mine here that uh, we have a huge part in supporting and uh, servicing our fellow citizens and building the roadways that they use every day. And then in addition to our sand and gravel hauling operation, we move a lot of specialized equipment around like big RT cranes, massive dozers and excavators, snow cats that, that ski resorts use, okay. and just anything that'll fit on the variety of trailers that we own, we, we can haul. We, we like to move high value freight and have a, have a good rep, good repertoire in our, in our portfolio of what we can do. You know, in terms of uh, where exactly you guys are, I know you're in Utah. What's the, what town are you in? So we're in Bountiful, Utah. Bountiful. It's about three miles north of uh, the Salt Lake Temple and the Utah Jazz Arena. We're really close to the heart of the state. So we've got uh, we between 35 and 40 payroll truck drivers. Okay. And, uh, and in addition to that, we have our maintenance support side and uh, we run between you know right now we're probably running around 15 owner operators but uh, during the busy construction season we have seen up to you know 70 subcontractors owner operators uh, working alongside with us to help us move her there's a significant seasonality to what you guys do no doubt right yeah and it comes you know, it uh, when the sun is shining, we need to make money, and that's when you haul dirt. And everybody <laughs> kind of on board with that because nobody likes to go out and get muddy and covered in slop. Uh, just is a nightmare. So, right. uh, Harry Drivers, there um, doing a lot of um, kind of short haul type of work folks getting home most nights or um or longer run stuff or does it just vary depending on the job i know when you're up, up working that mine up in idaho you you probably got guys um uh, you know up there full time for quite a quite a long time but uh you know, give me give me a a sense of you know what the drive what a typical driver's life is is like there so we've got our 30 guys that uh run our bread and butter division, our sand and gravel hauling trucks. Yeah. Those guys are home every those guys are home every night. They haul from any of the various gravel quarries in the Salt Lake Valley to uh whatever job is close to there. And sand and gravel hauling is geographically based. So if you had say if you had a job that was, you know, a hundred miles away from your shop they're going to find whatever gravel quarry is close to that job. And, and that's where you'd haul. But our typical range is about 75 miles from our base. Gotcha. Um, and got, guys will haul anywhere between six and 12 loads per day uh, in a dump truck or double side dumps or double belly dumps. Uh, that's yeah. the typical gravel and sand hauling paradigm. You know, it's, Anywhere you go, people are probably hauling six to 12 loads a day, unless you're getting into some real 
specialty products that you know need to travel several hundred miles but um, rail cars usually take away that corner of the market then we have we have about five drivers that do our specialized side you know our flatbeds removable goosenecks double drops that will run typically from you know a day and a half to three days away is about the most they have to spend from home uh, here you know salt lake to seattle or salt lake to phoenix or salt lake to denver or northern montana south dakota you're you're usually home within two or three days of when you leave and and that's probably about half of the time the other half of the time those five guys are doing the same thing as the sand and gravel sand and gravel guys in town but just they're moving the traco or the dozer or the or the compactor that's servicing the the sand and gravel side of things we're not uh we're not really a long hauler we have that capability and our guys can do it but our customer base is such that we i guess i could say that we don't need to do it but there's a lot of guys that love doing that but just that's not where our our current strengths are you know when uh when this when the season heats up um, and you've you've got uh, owner operators uh contracting with you i imagine a lot of respects these are guys with their own authority that are that are working for you um uh, temporarily and in that case, are the, is it more of that local type work? Yeah, so we've got, uh, you know, right now we have fifth, about 15 guys running for us. Right. They all have their own authority. They all have their own USDOT number. And uh, those are our, those guys are our, you know, our best subcontractors, guys that have been with us for a long time. Yeah. Uh, working alongside with us. And they, we have about, we have, maybe two subcontractors that will do the the out of town thing for us. Uh, you know, as far as like hauling something, you know, five or 800 miles away, but the bulk of our subcontractors fall under that same window where they're home every night and they've got a good gig. You know, we, if, if you're working for us, we, you know, we let you park in our trucking yard, which is right nice. on I 15, just North of salt Lake. And that's, truck parking is impossible and if you can't find it it is super expensive so we we have a good relationship with our subcontractors in that way and and we you know we really value what they bring to our company because it lets us continually serve our customers with the ebbs and flows of of their workload you know they never they never have to want for more trucking we can always provide it thanks to our, the abilities of our subcontractors to be flexible and, and their, their willingness to, to come and help you when you need it. I started driving when I was 12 years old. I drove a school bus with my old man out on a, a remote road on an island in Utah. And then I proceeded to learn how to drive semi-trucks around the yard and would get in trouble for driving too fast in the yard. And then <laughs> uh, the day I turned 18, I got in a semi-truck by myself and went out on the road and 
just kind of had a white knuckle moment because it was like, whoa, I just, just like that, I get to go out and drive my own semi truck. Um, but I quickly became comfortable in doing, uh, you know, trucking at a, at a young age of 18. Um, I'm 33 years old now. The time has flown by, so that's hard to hard to grasp that time has gone that fast. But the thing that really got me into moving and grooving with uh, flatbeds and RGNs was a big project here in Utah, building the data center. And I was uh, that was in 2010 or 11, and you know, it was 2011 and 12. And we moved like 4,500 loads of concrete precast to build this new building. And that's, that's one project where I really learned and grew a lot. And that was something where my dad went out and bid this job and won this job. And my dad did all of the legwork of getting, you know, a fleet of 70 flatbeds procured and all of the labor and personnel and talent and the trucks and the rigging to tie everything down and all of the nitty gritty of the you know the contract side of things and then he got the project started and then he just handed it over to me and said uh, I'm going out of town here you go there's a you know 125,000 pound chunk of concrete you need to figure out how you're going to move them and there's not just one of them there's 70 of them that you need to move and that that really propelled me into learning a lot of lessons really quickly and uh from there i went to the next big project where i really like kind of learned and grew as a individual in the trucking trade was we worked at a, a contract mine in soda springs idaho and it was a horrible job and I learned to appreciate the easy days of trucking because of that horrible job. But we stuck with it. We didn't, uh, we didn't fold up and leave because it was tough. We stuck there with our customer and saw it out to the end. And we were in a remote part of Idaho with, okay. in Antarctic conditions or Arctic conditions, wow. hauling phosphate ore, which is like, they would mine it and it would be super warm and then we'd put it into our 10 degree side dump you know the temperature air temperature is 10 degrees we'd right. load it into our side dumps and then go and haul it about seven miles to to where they transload it from our trailers into rail cars but they only they only loaded it into rail cars in the summer because the material is so sticky but it's not just the sticky material it's that you're in a remote part of idaho you're you know, it's 10 degrees yeah. most of the time. And like, just think of covering everything you can imagine on your vehicle and snow and ice, and then trying to maintain that. Um, right. It was just a, that was a tough job. And uh, that helped me appreciate the easy, good days of trucking. Nothing like uh, a little road construction compared to that, huh? <laughs> we learned uh we learned a lot of stuff on that job and it's like wow this is when it's sunny and shining and the weather's good you really enjoy those days and that's how i would summarize my growth into where i am today and a lot of it too is just like you have a really good customer that you love working for and they call you with some new challenge and then you go and figure out how to get it done and 
Then after you do it, it's always easier to do the second time. But the first time you do something is always a bit nerve wracking. Right, right. Particularly in that, uh, I mean, any any of the stuff you do, I imagine will fit that description. But uh, you know, particularly when we're starting to talk about some of the some of the big oversized equipment and the big oversized and overweight uh, stuff that has to be has to move and uh, gets gets really tricky, I imagine. And I feel like we're in a we're in like I and I'll other people will perhaps disagree, but we're in a window where our if we have a fifty five ton low boy, you can go out and you can move a traco that's one hundred and six thousand pounds. You're right at the cusp of competitiveness versus weight of load and what you need because a guy can one guy can go and move a hundred and six thousand pound traco by himself legally with no support no support vehicles no pilot car and so you we're you know we're in this niche of the market where one guy is moving this huge machine by himself it's at the top of the capacity because when you get bigger and heavier than that then it starts getting well you need a pilot car and you need uh whatever else and then you start getting this other support that helps you and makes the job easier but you know, we're, we, we kind of, we do pretty well at being the one man show where it's, that lets us be competitive. And it's also, that's the toughest part of the job too. I mean, the fact that guys are out there on their own and yeah, yeah. it's tough for certain, but in that heavy specialized freight niche, there are multitudes of owner operators who excel just in the way that Smith describes here. Striking that balance with the right equipment to move high dollar oversized freight without a lot of the added costs that come with extra personnel needed. We profiled that niche in depth in 2020, featuring more than one such owner. You can find that story at overdriveonline.com. Search big loads, big equipment, big pay to find it. I asked Smith then to take us back to the seed sown for Ralph Smithco's apprenticeship training program which has today taken more than two dozen drivers through the process of learning trucking top to bottom, obtaining a CDL along the way, and continuing on with the company and through, in some cases, even to truck ownership. He takes it back to the previous decade, when in 2015, we had the I, the, the business model of like, all right, any drivers that we're gonna hire, we've got to hire them in March and April, because after March and April, there's, you know, everybody's found a job, so. If we're going to hire, you know, 10 drivers, we've got to have it done by April. By about 2017, we had gone two years without, with, essentially out without hiring, you know, any drivers. Um, so 2017, it's like, well, we can offer some other drivers more money to come and work with us, but as quickly as you do that they are getting a another offer somewhere else for more money so they're with you you know they go through the for the the pains of becoming a new employee and then they turn and leave in you know two to six weeks for a job that's paying even more so you know we couldn't play that game you don't want to play that game it just was a colossal waste of time for everyone Um, so that that avenue doesn't work and if if you can't hire drivers that are sitting around looking for something to do the 
next best thing you can do is take good employees that are helping, you know, your yard, I call them a yard grunt, you know, typically the youngest guy around that doesn't, uh, doesn't know much about construction industry, but wanted a job and said, I'll do whatever, I'll do anything you want. Just will you give me a job? You take somebody like that and you just tuck them under your wing for three months, six months, nine months, a year, as long as it takes for them to get exposed to all facets of what we do. And you can build yourself a truck driver. So we did that with, uh, with one of our guys. And, and then from there, it's like, if, you know, if this guy can do it, if this guy can come here with never having driven a pickup truck, and spend enough time around enough good people, we've turned them into something that they can be proud of, a truck driver, they can have a career. And, you know, that particular employee that I'm thinking of is, he's not, he's not with our company any longer, uh, but he's now with, you know, another construction company that does surface milling and trucking. So he's a truck driver and a mill operator and he travels all over the Western U S and has built a great, he's built a a great career for himself and takes really good care of his family that way. From there, it kind of spun into like, okay, who can we recruit into this that doesn't know anything about trucking because they've never been exposed to it. Who can we recruit into this and sell them on the idea that trucking is fun and cool it's it's not just uh, the memes that you see on the internet about a certain company, you know, wrecking their trailer in the truck stop. You know, that's not what right. trucking is. It's trucking is fun and cool. So you take that attitude with it, and then you start meeting, you know, typically young people as young as eighteen, but you know, not older than thirty four, thirty five years old, and you say, hey. I can see that you are a super hard worker. You know, I enjoy when I come here to, I don't go to Starbucks, but I'll give you an example. You know, I enjoy when I come here to Starbucks and, you know, you're always here and you're, I can tell your coworkers like you and you're always good to the customers in front of me and behind me. If you ever want to make a career change, ask me. We do trucking. We'll train, we'll, we'll train you from the ground up. We're just looking. We're just looking for good people that want to make a change in their life, and and maybe make more money than where you're what you're making now. And so we took that that attitude, and that's what has helped our company continue. I mean, I'd say grow, but we're we probably have fewer drivers now than we had six years ago. But okay. considering the circumstances of our of of today's marketplace, I think that we're doing really well. And part of that is in part to recruiting people based on good people right. and showing them a side of trucking that they've never seen before, that they have no idea exists. That, that anecdote about Starbucks, um, you may not be the, the person that frequenting the Starbucks there, but um, I believe Kate said that that was a real, that was a real uh, happening. There was somebody there at a, at a Starbucks in the area 
that um, was working the 5 a.m. shift or uh, starting the you know, opening the store there, I think, and uh, is now um, training with your company or driving there. Yeah, now that certain individual, he's trucking every day for us. And yeah. We're glad, we're glad to have him and he loves it. It's kind of like, that's one of the stories where you just smile to yourself. Cause it's like, man, I'm glad that I can't believe that worked out, but I'm really glad that worked out in these times. You've just got to get really creative. And that's, I mean, the best way to do that is by being bold and not being afraid to say, Hey, I know you're making coffee, but what do you think about pulling 129,000 pounds around with you? <laughs> yeah that's a that's a big that's a big change uh in that in that gentleman's day-to-day but uh sounds like he's uh he's enjoying it he loves it i mean he loves his job now you know he's got his he's got his own w900 he's got his own side dump that you know is just his and uh and he loves coming to work and you know work is work but Whenever I roll up and see him, he's always smiling. You know, he's, he's, and it works good. It works both ways. We, you know, we take care of him and he takes care of our customer. And it's a good, it's a circle of prosperity that uh, everyone wishes they, they had more of. One of the reasons that we were talking, of course, was uh, I got to, I was thinking about you guys, uh, given the the entry level driver training regulations that uh, you know basically coming into effect in full on February seventh, and you know I was just I wanted to hear hear more from uh, from you about you know, how complying with the with the, the rule and all the kind of documentation and reporting that's required of, of training providers uh how that's looking uh to you and whether you feel like that's going to be a big uh a big a big heavy lift for you guys or or not exactly and because uh, it sounded it sound like basically when you gave me a break, basic description of what you're going to do uh in terms of the training it didn't sound like you're really having to feel like you had to change much in terms of the actual training that you're doing but um i know that the rule requires quite quite a bit of of you know documentation and and then reporting of you know certain of hours or however many hours are spent behind the wheel and training and all that kind of stuff um uh, I, you probably given you given you're not uh, kind of always uh training a driver it sounds like um you may not have gotten fully into that yet but um you know how what has been the preparation for it if any and, and what are you thinking about that my initial thoughts are why are we making an industry that's struggling to recruit people even less desirable and attractive to get into is my initial thought. You know, I'm not a fan of any more regulation on our industry than there already is. As far as what Ralph Smith company is doing, we, we won't be changing anything to how we train our people because our training program is, you know, hey, buddy, you're coming with me, and let's go work together. And yep. 
once you show me that you know how to do everything I know how to do in respect to what we're doing, I'm going to turn you loose. But I'm not going to turn you loose a a second before I know that you are totally competent to what you're to, to do, you know, the task involved in trucking, not necessarily just qualified because anyone can become qualified, but only people who will be good at trucking are competent to go out and do, you know, go out and be a truck driver. So that, that's, that's one thing about our training. Our training is based around knowing that the person we're training is going to be competent to understand the consequences of a mistake when your dump truck weighs 64,000 pounds. And so in that respect, our training is not changing at all. The documentation side of it, uh, as far as hours of training, we already track that with their time cards that they will turn in every day when they're with, you know, whoever it is that that's helping or, or, you know, whoever is their lead that day, whether it's me, whether it's my dad, whether it's one of our, you know, master drivers that's been with us forever. Um, so their, their hours will be tracked. Now we're going to have to become even more specific in that. Okay. How many hours a day did Jake drive? Right. Not just how many hours did you work today, but how many hours did you drive today? Um, so that will be another layer of headache for our office gals. The, the big book I can envision in my mind that's going to be our our training procedure and manuals book, I'm going to let the big corporations figure that out first. Like some of the, you know, some of the mega earth moving companies that we work for. I've been, you know, talking with their CDL guys about, Hey, what are you going to do February 7th when no longer, it's not, you know, no, it's no longer just uh skills based. It becomes, you know, classroom based as well. Right. And they, you know, they've got, you know, thousands of employees in their company and they're like, well, we're building this curriculum and we're going to be ready. So I'll see what they're doing. We'll, we'll do something similar, but I'll let those guys figure out what, what it should look like first. Kate actually mentioned that um, she, she mentioned the association of uh, associated general contractors, uh, big CDL um, handbook that uh, kind of is like a, it sounds like a, a basic, um, you know, book study kind of guide to learning everything you need to know to, to pass the written test. That's something that you um, might... with the AGC. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we've got two resources that we'll pull from to, you know, bolster our in-house training program. Uh, we'll pull from the associated general contractors. They'll right. have, they'll have something I imagine for their apprenticeship program that they have in truck driving. Right. Um, and then, and then the, the go-to that we'll really lean on is our Utah trucking association. Uh, my my dad and sister are better versed with what the Utah Trucking Association and the AGC are going to have to gotcha. offer in this regards. But uh, Kate serves on the board for the Utah Trucking Association, and I know that you know the number one problem that every trucking company says 
our problem is is drivers. So it's going to be, you know, front and I think that February 8th, when it, the change hits us, it's going to say, oh, okay, let's hit high gear. What do we need to give our, what do we Rips. need to give our membership so that they can continue to recruit and build and train their own truck drivers? I mentioned here the availability of online modules, in some cases provided to potential commercial learner's permit applicants free of charge to cover the book knowledge portion of CDL learning. Had Smith experimented with any of those personally? The online stuff is really difficult. I mean, again, we got, you're just, we're adding a layer of hassle into these guys's and, you know, into these people's lives. And now it's like, and you got to do this online thing. I just don't know how good that's going to work. It's got to take some real self-discipline and motivation for, someone to do that i i I mean it's while they're sitting there they might get a better might get a better job offer to do something in a different industry you hate to you hate to add another speed bump online is is tricky it's tricky to get people to follow through we we've had a heck of a time just with the clearinghouse and we've got all our employees in the clearinghouse now but it took a lot of a lot of uh convincing that you have to do this and it was still a battle so it'll be interesting smith referenced their fmcsa's drug and alcohol test results clearinghouse of course where every interstate cdl holder subject to testing regs has yeah, had to register create a profile got to keep track of the login and it's right. it's really not a big deal it's not a big deal but um for guys that are just not interested in doing that it uh it's it's a it's a real pain but we got through it, but uh, it's something we don't want to ever have to do again. But uh, right. that's, I won't speak too soon. Hey, what do you think about this? Uh, the training regulations um, uh, themselves, broadly speaking, do you feel like uh, feel like we're feel like they really are they raising the bar uh, for uh, training out there? Broadly speaking. Um, you know, not just thinking about uh, Ralph Smith uh, company there. It sounds like you guys do a pretty, pretty thorough job. But uh, you know, just looking around at the at the wider, wider trucking world, um, is it going to be a benefit? I think. Uh, do you think? I I'm not well versed enough in it, but my gut right. feeling is that this is not what we need. Uh, what we need is truck drivers that are learning how to drive, driving in loaded trucks in less than ideal conditions with a good mentor sitting in that passenger seat next to them saying, hey, slow down around this curve or, hey, increase your following distance or, hey, that hill right there, we want to get our momentum up so that we're not shifting, so we're not shifting on the hill and, and losing our momentum and you know, having to stop on the hill or, Hey, see that uh, the road is wet. We want to slow down and, inc- you know, increase our safety factor because there's, because it's raining. I, I think that is what the biggest hole is in our industry because we put guys through, not me, but, you know, guys go through truck driving school and you right. know, what are they driving in truck driving school? Can you tell me? Right. Uh, you know, day cabs and, uh, on, on closed ranges, and, yeah, yeah. 
sometimes and, getting and, on the and, road, and, but and, constructed, and a, but yeah. And a, yeah, they're in an 8,000, they're pulling an 8,000 pound dry van. Right, right. So we take those guys, they pass their CDL test, and then the first thing you do is you, in Salt Lake, the first thing that you do is you put them in a loaded semi, 80,000 pounds, and send them up one of the steeper grades in the country in Parley's Canyon. Right. And you can just sit at the bottom of Parley's Canyon all day, every day, and smell breaks. Breaks, wow. Wow. Um, So so I, I... I know what the regulation is trying to get accomplished with this training protocol. And, you know, we want you to have some class time and I don't, in my, in my opinion, in my opinion, that's, that's not what we're needing. You know, these guys are all passing the CDL written test and the pre-trip inspection. You know, we, have a pretty good understanding of what trucking is in a book already. Um, you know, we have a pretty good understanding of the book side of trucking already. Uh, I don't, I, I, and, and part of that too is my own bias. I'm, I'm not a book learner. I like to learn by going out. You know, I like to learn by going out and doing the job from someone that's smarter than me and that's been doing it a lot longer than me. And then the best thing I can do is just try to imitate and mimic them. And maybe that's my own bias coming through. I feel like I'm an expert in trucking and I feel like I see, you know, the people that pass me in a semi truck, you know, the people that pass me, it's like, Man, do you understand why I'm not going 80 miles an hour right now? Right. I mean, it's like I, I, the book, the, the regulation. How does it help you get on the same page as as all of the drivers that have, you know, the right experience that you want to to have your wife in her SUV? with your kids in the car driving next to that truck driver on the road. I know you said that there's a lot of variation in this uh, when you guys have a trainee come on. Um, how long is it um, before you get those folks to that place where they're, you know, they're ready to, to take their, uh, uh, their skills test uh, and getting the, you know, go run, running down the road on their own. So we've had a few guys come to us that already took their CDL learner permit. And then they realized like, they realized like, Oh, I can't do anything unless someone has a truck that they're willing to help me with. And so those guys, it's like, Hey, if you'll commit to staying with us for a year, we're in Uh, most of our trainees, we uh, bring them in, interview them, kind of give them a total rundown of how our business works. And then we say, we'll pay for everything, but we're not, we're not hiring you until you've passed the CDL pre, uh, the CDL written test. What, once they have that written test passed, we know that they're committed to becoming a truck driver from that, from that second that they have that CDL learners permit. 
we are gung-ho on every second of every day that you're willing to work, you need to be with us in one of these 40 trucks every day. You know, there's going to be somewhere for you to be every single day. So that that's the ideal situation as far as getting their learner's permit procured. Uh, We've had some, some trainees that come to us with uh, there's, that gray area where box trucks don't need a CDL, but they're as big as a semi truck. Uh, we've had a, we've had a few of those guys come to us, you know, they get their learner's permit. And then I think the fastest we turned somebody around was like three weeks. Wow. But that's, that's, that's not typical, but that's someone that came from driving, uh, you know, a huge box truck that was, right. you know, bigger than our dump truck. But because it's not over twenty six thousand pounds, they didn't need a CDL. That's that's the ideal situation to recruit someone from. It's got experience driving a huge box van, and then you know you show them instead of you unloading the stuff out of the box van, you just raise this dump bed up in the air and it dumps and just make sure you're on flat ground and there's no overhead power lines and keep the shiny side up and the rubber side down. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, otherwise it sounds like, uh, you know, you could be talking about a couple of months, few, few months process. Yeah. yeah. Got a little distracted with your question. Cause I like thinking about all these fond memories of all the fun we've had with, uh, with our employees and watching them grow and learn, but <laughs> yeah, to totally. get back to the, to get, to get back to the root of your question at if someone, if they haven't driven a pickup truck right. at least two and a half months. To the point where it's like, okay, you get in that Kenworth and you're going to follow me and I'll be in my Kenworth. And then on the CB radio, if you feel like, you know, you're, you know, they're following a little bit too close. I can say, Hey, Hey, Johnny, can you back off of me just a little bit and just increase your following distance? And, you know, that's at least two and a half months for somebody that's totally green. Um, and and within that though like i make them drive like straight away like they get their learner's permit and it's like okay get in the seat like i'm gonna help you shift and i'm gonna help you get this thing down the road but like from day one well not day one i make them ride around for a day but that gets pretty boring pretty quick (laughs) say day you know day three day four you're driving and it's going to take us forever to get this truck down the road because you don't know how to shift and flow gears and where you're going, but that's how we're going to learn and we're going to do it. And it's, it's really frustrating for them at first, but you just, I just talk them. I just like, Hey, it's totally okay. Like I'm, I'm glad you're here. That's all that matters. You're here. Just, just relax. It's okay. And you work through those big speed bumps at the beginning and, then the first time that they kind of hit the rhythm when they're shifting from first gear to fifth gear, you know, smile on their face. And it's like, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. It's awesome. It's gotta be awesome to kind of see that happen. Right. Yeah. Our, our biggest problem is that we just, we like trucking too much. So we're, uh, well, I had one customer tell us we were too nice. <laughs> I, I can't believe, I can't believe you weren't at my doorstep on Christmas Eve saying, 
you know, where's my paycheck and, or, you know, where's our, where's our money? And I thought, <laughs> well, we're just too nice. We're, but we, we really enjoy trucking. We love helping our employees grow. And that's probably one of our, one of our, our core principles in our company is caring about people, not just caring about profit. I'm just like one person that happens to have a loud mouth, you know, that speaks with loud volume, but I can have, you know, somebody calls us because they hear that we help people that have no experience. And I say, well, where do you live? Oh, I live in Provo. I'm like, that's an hour away from our office. Like I'm not a good option unless you plan on moving up to the bountiful area. But here is four guys that you're going to call and you tell them what you want to do. Right. And I guarantee you that one of those four guys is going to hire you tomorrow. And uh, so far, nobody's called me back and said, hey, they said that they, they wouldn't take me. You know, everybody in our industry is looking for good workers. Good and people, they'll yeah. take a good worker. They'll take a good a good person and help develop a skill, develop a skill and hone that skill to, to into a real talent and into a real career i mean it's i'm just i'm just one of a thousand but you've got a pretty good name for it smith's old school approach to apprenticeship training was recognized this past year by the specialized carriers and rigging association when harry was named to the association's annual four under 40 shortlist meant to call out scra members under age 40 making a big difference in the business and around the industry as he told American Cranes and Transport Magazine at the time of the honor last summer, quote, turning apprentices or new people to the industry into truck drivers and helping them to, to develop careers is one of my biggest, most rewarding goals in life. You can't buy a driver, but you can build a driver, end quote. Find more about the program via the Channel 19 blog post and report on how small fleets, private training efforts like this are poised to survive implementation of the new entry-level driver training reg. Not without challenges, though, of course, as we've heard. You can read that report, also featuring the voices of Harry Smith's sister, Kate, and owner-operator Doug Smith, Harry's father, by visiting overdriveonline.com slash channel hyphen one nine. Scroll down to the June 20 post. Got a tip on how your small fleet is adapting to the new reg? Drop me a line via overdriveonline.com slash page slash contact hyphen us. My email's linked there. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with acoustic guitar and other additional support from Overdrive Extra contributing writer and trucker songwriter Long Haul Paul Marhofer. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive news editor Matt Cole, Social media coordinator Holly Young, executive editor Alex Lockie. Until next time, let's keep a pro out there.